Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. I'm Rocky Peterson. I'm Natalie Byers. And today we are here to be talking about should you be following a man's lead? And we were just talking about, you know, what we're going to talk about. And this sounds like a pretty interesting episode today. It's a, a meaty topic for sure. And so I'm curious, Natalie, what your initial take is on following a man's lead, kind of a, a, an opener. Do you like to follow a man's lead or does that, is that get you in trouble? <laughs> I absolutely love to follow a man's lead. I find it to be a very natural experience. However, what I plan to unpack a bit in this episode and sort of explain as a caveat to uh, my stance on this is that it's extremely important for women to develop discernment when it comes to choosing a man to follow. And also, I'll just slip in there that I am not a believer that men should always be leading in a relationship. I much more feel comfortable with the idea that no one wants to lead all the time. That's a lot of pressure. And sometimes even someone who is most of the time in a leadership position needs a little break from that. And so I, I believe in more of a more of a harmonious like dance uh, when it comes to leadership in a relationship dynamic. But as a woman, anytime a man wants to take a choice off my plate and he knows what choices I would make if I were making them, that's sexy as hell to be relieved of that when I have to make a lot of choices throughout my life every day. So I love a break from that. So from a guy's point of view, I see a little bit of a slippery slope, but in, until you put those conditions in that, you know, he's got some awareness about where you want him to lead. The unfortunate part is sometimes that can be hard to get our head around, where do you want me to lead today? I mean, okay, so maybe the first few times it's like, oh, it's easy for me to lead because, you know, I'm excited and this is new or whatever the case may be. And leading is leading is easy and, you know, we're good with that. But as time goes on, something about that gets, you know, more challenging. So in, in fact, what I wanted to do is I wanted to see if I could chime in first with, you know, a little bit of, you know, what I do and, and how, how this plays out. I do sensual massage for women. And so one of the things that happens is before we do a session, I always sit down with the client and say, okay, well, what do you want to work on today? What do you want to happen? And very frequently I hear, well, do whatever you want to me. And as enticing as that is to hear from a man's point of view, it, it can be kind of intimidating at the same time because there's a risk in you telling me that. And then I do what I want to do. And then I hear, oh, well, I didn't want you to do that. Right. So <laughs> the danger for us guys is that, you know, that like holds us back is that leading can be troublesome 
and we can get into a situation where we maybe feel like, oh, I didn't quite have consent for that, even though do whatever you want to me is like free pass to do anything, right? Whatever you want. That's pretty comprehensive. It certainly seems like fair game to assume that without more information. I think that tendency for the fact that you hear that as often as you do speaks to the very natural desire that women have where we we do just love to kind of let go and allow, you know, allow a man to have his way with us. It's a very sexy experience and it's only sexy when it's informed by what we like. And some men are better at kind of watching for what we like than others. But I would say a huge piece and a necessary step when it comes to developing discernment is to get clear on what we like and what we don't like and what we want to experience, what we're curious about experiencing. Without being able to provide any clarity for a man, you are asking an awful lot when you're asking to be like essentially led into yourself and and your own experience, that's a really tall order. I think a lot of men respond to that pressure by trying to guess, trying to look like they know what to do. And that's one of the things that I want to keep bringing into this space here is that this is the part where we have the conversation. This is the part where we get vulnerable and raw and we expose what we like and what we don't like. And we get brave about sharing that part of ourselves and we do the work to unblock our throat chakra so that we can speak these things and feel comfortable enough to you know, feel safe enough to do so. For a lot of women, that work is needed before honestly, we're really even in a position to be able to meet a man and identify if he is someone who is capable of meeting our needs and and providing for us. We have to know what it is that we're looking for. So I have a list of themes that I post on my websites. And my list of themes are encounter ideas, I, I guess you might call them. They could be something like, for somebody that's nervous, receiving hugs and touch over their clothing. Or it could be all the way up to, you know, anal massage and multiple penetrations or something that other people might think are outlandish or overly bold. And you've seen the list. I recall you called it a menu. (laughs) And so what I do is I try and put things out there for women to go that I haven't tried that. That sounds interesting so that they have something that they can explore and kind of chime in on, you know, not necessarily leading, but saying, okay, well, I like this idea. So, you know, a starting point is, okay, we're going to do just a, the generic, the sensual massage, some relaxation, some body touch, and it turns into, you know, something more erotic. And so there is some communication about how this can transpire. So how do you see people doing that more at home? Is it just you kind of tell your guy, hey, can we try this someday? And I know this isn't men leading, but I mean, it's like 
giving a man room to lead, I guess, is really what I'm doing as I'm I'm helping women give us room to lead. Yeah. So, I mean, we're definitely encouraging men to lead women into this conversation. That's one of the reasons why what you do is effective is at the beginning of a session, you're leading into this conversation as a way of informing what you do. As women, this is this is part of where discernment comes into play, because if a man isn't leading you into these conversations, then yes, you are being put in the position of leading him into leading you into the conversation. And that could be a sign that you're talking to someone who isn't necessarily ready to be plugged into your experience. So if you're already in in a relationship and you're not having these conversations and you're looking for how to start them, listening to this podcast together would probably be a great place to start in order to create a common ground for common understanding around what kind of conversations need to be had. If you're a woman listening to this podcast and you want to go to your husband and talk about these things, because of that dynamic of sometimes women can be in a leadership position in a relationship, which sometimes can turn into something that feels a lot more like nagging to a man. And so having an objective third party source to begin with could be very helpful in kind of opening up those gates. I would say in this scenario, that would be my suggestion. If you're in an established relationship uh, and you're not having comfortable conversations about what you like sexually. So where should guys go with this? Where are we dropping the ball? Are we, is, it, is it in the attunement level or is it uh, initiation or what are we looking for? Men need to largely recognize that engaging sexually for women and ideally for men too, uh, if I'm being honest, it goes far beyond a physical experience. It's a very emotional experience for me. I would, I would classify it as a spiritual experience and a deeply satisfying sexual experience is one that feels like it involves all of me. So leading into the conversations is such a huge part of leadership. If you're attempting to lead a woman and you're not having conversations about what both of your needs and desires and goals are and things, then how, how do you know that you're leading her in a direction she wants to go? Okay, so leading isn't my putting my hand on your knee and arbitrarily coming over and trying to kiss you and feel you up. That is only leading if you are doing that in direct response to my very clear energetic and body language signals that I I very much want you to touch me and kiss me right now. If you can read that coming off of me, then that's, that's leading. But if you are not certain that that is what I am thinking, if you're not certain with 100% that that's where I want to go, then no, that's not leading. That's you leading yourself, essentially. Like you're, you're trying to take you towards what you want, but you, you have no idea what I want. Are you excited to explore the world of pleasure? If so, head to getting off with natalieandrocky.com where you can choose your own adventure. So leading when it comes to sex 
is leading with communication, leading with getting some kind of presence of mind about where you are by talking about it, not just by like trying to read your body or let's see, you're, you're running your fingers through your hair. So that must be my signal. (laughs) Yes. It's a, it's a combination of both for sure, because it's, it's the combination of the communication and the attunement. So one of my partners says, if you want to fuck my body, you have to fuck my mind first. Mm -hmm. I would say that pretty much every woman you meet will echo that sentiment. (laughs) It sounds like you could elaborate on that a little bit. Because I mean, I kind of get it because of what I'm doing. And I won't say I get everything because I mean, I'm still learning. I've been doing this for years and years and I'm still learning. And I learn a lot from you continuously. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about fucking your mind. Well, when you're just trying to fuck my body, it's a very empty feeling as a woman. Mm -hmm. It feels like being turned into an empty vessel. Like I'm just going to embody a set of holes for a a minute here, (laughs) which has definitely a kinky appeal for some. So sometimes it works. Sometimes it's good. I mean, all of our kinkiness definitely works. It's probably going to work better if you've had opportunities of mind fucking first and, you know, it's somebody that you've got a little bit of history with. I mean, or if you're a particularly traumatized person and you happen to be turned on by traumatizing experiences, (laughs) that exists and is actually quite common. Part of a, a much deeper kink conversation that I would like to have in the not too distant future. The physical level of sex is truly like not what we're craving. My body craves that kind of connection at the height of my ovulation when I, during my cycle and it's like, bend me over, bang me like a catch bottle. It's fine. Like I'm not, not very picky about that kind of connection because it's very hormonally driven. You know, it's very body based. But most of the time, We are looking for a feeling of being wholly seen, tended to, cared for, provided for, loved during sex. And that is something that is tended to consistently outside of the bedroom. How are you showing up in our lives outside of the bedroom? Are you demonstrating through loving action that you are invested in who we are and what matters to us, what's important to us. Those are the things that turn us on. When a man is bringing real substance to our life, when he is looking at what our needs and desires are and, and bringing to us, God, like, Men who are in touch with everything that they have to give, they just show up and they're like, ah, I have a system for this. That will make that easier for you. Ah, now just to like apply this little fix and now that will be easier for you. Like they're, they're like ease making machines when they know what they have to give. So we're not talking about sexual conversation here at all. Not necessarily. No. I mean, it's, it's much more holistic Yes, the the sexual conversation is very important and it and you can you can lead that in a very sexy way. You can discuss fantasies, you can communicate about what turns you on as you're playing around with it and if you can find your confident voice in that. And we we really do enjoy that. 
when there's a playfulness as well and just this feeling of like back and forth banter. Okay. So one of the things that it appears that us guys do wrong, it's like, okay, we've got the idea. We're, we're, you know, we're supposed to communicate and we're, we're doing that. And then we jump ahead. We leapfrog some of the conversation and it's like, okay, now I want to get in your pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the impact of that? Oh, it takes away all the sense of safety. When you jump the gun, it immediately puts us back into the position of being pressured for sex. And that's that's very familiar territory for us. And it's not turn-on territory for us at all. It's almost rare to come into contact with a man who is interested in pacing things in a way that feels good for you. So do I hear that it might be well advised to hold back a little bit, to have more patience? I would say that almost all rushing comes from this sense of insecurity or this sense of scarcity. The sense of scarcity, yeah. I got one in front (laughs) of me. I got to get her. (laughs) Right, before she changes her mind. Before she changes her mind, which if you're a confident man and you're showing up with integrity and you're worthy of respect, you're not going to be worried about whether or not she's going to change her mind. You're simply going to continue consistently showing who you are as a person and have confidence that if she has discernment and can see someone worth his salt, she will choose you. I feel like sometimes men confuse the fact that like, yes, there's competition for women and and we get lots of offers and we have to say no to lots. We don't need to be manipulated in any way into the yes. Like we get to choose whoever is showing up best for us. That is our right as the flower. (laughs) We get to choose who is serving our needs and our desires most, who is speaking to us deepest. It matters to us how you're showing up as a man in the world and in our lives. And that's truly what makes us want to have a sexy relationship with you is if you're showing up in a way that makes us proud to be with you. So there's competition for that kind of man then. Absolutely. You said they're very rare. They are rare. Okay. So guys, here's our takeaway for the moment here. Take your time, spend more time getting tuned in to who she is and what she's about and these things that Natalie is saying about love and attention and caring and being present. And you rise above all the other guys that are competing for her. Yes. Those are such standout features. People ask me regularly, Natalie, you're the blowjob queen. Why are you still single? (laughs) And I'm like, well, Honestly, it's it's because I've developed a level of discernment at this point where I am very dialed in to the quality of masculine energy that I'm looking to bring into my life. And I am not interested in any half-assed attempts. I am not interested in somebody who's looking for shortcuts. I'm not interested in anybody who's looking to be handed anything. I am looking for a king who has his shit handled and is building exciting things in the world and has his direction and is standing in his integrity and is proud of who he is, which is a tall order in this day and age because it requires a lot of self-exploration and 
inner work to become someone that aware and that able to provide for others without being self-sacrificing. So one of the things that kind of comes to mind for me is a lot of what you say, you know, kind of points to a strong man. And I mean, that's very subjective, I guess. And so a lot of my clients are with gentlemen that, you know, might be strong men, but in some ways, maybe too strong. And, you know, some of these guys that are leaders, let's just say they're not kind, you know, maybe not kind to the people that they work with or people that work for them or whatever the case may be. They're not kind to homeless people. They're not kind politically. They're not kind to people of different interests or preferences in the world. How do you feel about following that kind of man? There's a huge distinction between leadership, which is rooted in love and connection with whomever you're leading and control. And as a woman, we are definitely served by learning to discern the difference. Someone who is controlling thinks of themselves as a leader, but they do not source their choices from the people that they're leading. So it's a selfish perspective. And that's why this advice of slowing way down when you're getting to know someone is so important because we, as women, especially, we need time to see who someone really is as we're getting to know them. Not who he tells us he is, because there are plenty of controlling and insecure men out there who will tell you all the pretty things about themselves They know what to say. It's not about what they say. It's about what they do. It's about what they show you. So taking your time, slowing the pace down so that you have time to have an experience with him where maybe something doesn't go exactly as he planned when you're together and you get a chance to see how does he respond to that? Does he keep his cool? Does he like keep your experience in mind and navigates it with some maturity or does he lose his shit? What does it tell you when a guy loses his shit? It tells me that he's not ready to handle any of my shit at all. If you are meeting a typical everyday frustration and you're treating it like it's a boulder in your path, then no, you don't have the kind of vision in life that that I am now working with. I didn't get here with ease, though, you know, developing this far-reaching vision and emotional intelligence, I guess, ability to keep things in perspective is the product of a self-healing journey, right? And just a self-awareness journey. I was seeing a man last summer briefly, and we were seeing each other for about three months. But the whole time I was very clear, you are not my boyfriend. I am not your girlfriend. We are not officially dating in this capacity because I'm learning who you are as a person. And very early on in that experience, I witnessed him having a panic attack over a medical experience. And there's nothing wrong with having anxiety. Like, I completely understand everyone is in some ways working on managing something. But in this case, he hadn't engaged with any tools or any awareness yet around how to operate with that anxiety or or how to potentially move better with it. And so I got to see pretty quickly, okay, we have a pretty big gap in life experience here. I'm now in a place where I have 
a wide variety of tools that I use to help me navigate the, the highs and lows of life that keep me in a more stable place that allow me to kind of keep my eye on the ball as I'm going day to day. And I have no interest in someone who has yet to develop all of that. I don't want to be in that that teaching position. I'm, I'm looking to match with somebody who already has that awareness for themselves, already has tools that they're plugging in for themselves, and therefore has access to his own capacity and is looking for a relationship because he knows what he has to give. So I love this idea, but you know, there are times that I think, okay, I'm leading enough that it seems like I'm carrying this. What's my signal that it's like, okay, you're going to lead for a minute? Or is, is, that a, is that a legitimate question that you're going to lead? Do you, do you like to lead sometimes? I think pretty much all women have some experience with leadership. I mean, as women who are mothers, we have to do a lot of leading in that capacity. And most of our kind of popular cultural dating dynamics, a lot of them have women in leadership positions. It's not necessarily a healthy thing, but it's like the shadow side of feminine leadership in that case. And as I said earlier in this episode, I think that leadership should be more like a dance in a relationship, should be more of a harmonious flow. But feminine leadership looks different than masculine leadership. Mm. A woman leads differently than a man leads. I will often make the distinction that while we are looking for a man to lead in relationship to kind of be the main captain of the ship, a woman sets the tone. So she really like sets the vibe of the relationship and fills the space with her energy. And one of the things that I teach in my blowjob course is how to essentially set, set the tone for sexy time and how to embody an energetic invitation for a man, which is a form of leadership with our energy and through creating our own experience, inviting him where we want to go. So is that anything like choosing one of my menu items? Is that saying, hey, somehow you communicate that, okay, I'm ready to try anal? Or is this something more subtle than that? Embodying the invitation is more yes. more subtle than that. I mean, a conversation like that, if I were in an ideal scenario, I, w- I would love for a man to check in with me you know, every now and then and be like, is there anything that you've been thinking about that you that you think would be exciting to try? You know, are you curious about anything? I'd like to take you where you want to go, baby. <laughs> okay, so ladies need to be a little bit more prepared to have some options. Our work is in identifying our own desires. We are in a lot of ways conditioned to externalize those things. We are conditioned out of having our own desires at a young age. And uh, we are definitely taught to be in service of the desires of others. And especially in the dynamic with men, women receive a lot of conditioning that make us feel like we are guardians of men's experience. And so we do a lot of kind of 
tiptoeing on eggshells, walking around things. And what we need to do instead is spend the time in self-investigation. It's almost like before doing this work, it's almost like we're waiting for men to tell us what we like and what we want because we've received so many messages that we're not allowed to identify that for ourselves. And so we're kind of, we're trying to externalize our masculine instead of recognizing that we have our own inner masculine We have our own inner sense of direction. We have our own inner get shit done energy. And that part of us has goals and desires and a direction it wants to move in. We all have inner masculine and feminine. And as a woman, this information is absolutely accessible, but it takes investigation and inquiry and realizing that it's our job to do that work. So I could see a, a situation where a man, you know, wants to lead, wants to do his part in doing this. And some of them maybe hearing, you know, okay, so you've gone and, and explored yourself and now you've kind of discovered some things that you want from me and you're telling me. And you know, some guys maybe being intimidated by that or unsettled in some way because it's like, that's more than I can accomplish or something like that. So what I'd like to tell guys is don't react to that just yet. Give yourself some time if you feel intimidated by her discovery of herself and her needs being more than you've maybe anticipated or expected. And think about this for, you know, a little bit, you know, a day or two or whatever, and look at what an opportunity it is to grow and to learn and to get more attuned and communicate about it more, ask questions. And by the way, I want to interject when we're talking about sex. In fact, maybe you can give me some input too. I see talking about sex is at least two different modes. Okay. There's maybe three. There's a a clinical mode and there's a raunchy mode, right? Cock, pussy, cunt, you know, slut, bitch, all that. Or there's, you know, my penis, your vagina, your clitoris. And sometimes there's something a little bit in the middle. Guys, there's a time for the clinical conversation and then there's a time for the raunchy conversation. And don't mix this up (laughs) when you're just at the table and having a conversation about it. That's when you're having, you you go in the clinical mode. Okay. She'll respect that. It's mature. Tell me, what do you think, Natalie? How does that feel to have that more clinical conversation? Now, the raunchy conversation, you know, it's like, you like that? You want this cock, baby? When you're in the act, that's, that's where that belongs. You agree? Totally. I think what you're describing as more clinical conversation is actually conversation that deals more with the fact that we have emotions around this stuff. And a lot of us have a significant amount of trauma around it and that we may or may not be actively working through. So the clinical conversation is meant to be a conversation about safety ultimately. I I don't have a better word than clinical at the moment, but if you're leading into a clinical conversation, the aim is, you know, I'm leading us more into into territory of 
play and exploration and how can we do that safely and in a way that you are on board with your desire. So what I'm saying guys and kind of summing that up is, okay, so she's giving you some feedback about some opportunities, some self-exploration that gives you some insight as to some direction. Now, if you need a little clarification, do it a little bit more in the clinical side before you engage, before you act and chime in, get some communication about it. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions and get a little bit more clarity. Let's say she, I'm going to, I'm just going to throw something out there. Let's say she's discovered a vibrator. I can tell you that a lot of guys are incredibly intimidated by vibrators and they think that the vibrator is going to displace them in the relationship. Guys, nothing could be further from the truth. Toys are wonderful wingmen. <laughs> That's what I call them, my wingman at times. And, you know, there's, there's a time for it and there's, you know, a time for not having that. But the point is, don't be intimidated that she's talking about that she's discovered a vibrator. The, the question is, okay, I've never really used a vibrator on a woman. You know, what do I do? You might have to say, you know, do you, do you like it direct or do you like it indirect or do you, is there a certain speed you've found that you like, you know, I mean, start getting some information so that when it is time for you to lead, when it is time for you to hold the vibrator, and I highly suggest sometimes you do, because that's very fun for her, that you've got some information. So, you know, take something that's intimidating and turn it around and communicate about it and she'll feel like you're working on that attunement. You can also ask her to show you and that can be sexy. <laughs> Absolutely. Show, yeah. You know, or watch videos together. I have a video on my course on using toys so you can, I can show you what to do. I use them all the time. So I do want to um, say I, I was in a relationship where there was too much reliance on toys in my opinion. And I think it's, important that they kind of maintain an extra extra on top yeah maybe sometimes just a backup yeah just because skin on skin contact and and just the ability to pleasure each other just with what god gave you is the sexiest in my opinion not all women feel that way but it's good to be able to cover yeah multiple things <laughs> everybody's in a different place. I mean, I, I swear to God, if you ask, you know, every single person in the United States, you know, what's the best sexual experience you'll get, you know, 340 million different answers. So, I mean, that's where the communication comes in and getting to know how much someone might rely on the vibrator. You were in a previous episode comparing attunement with reading the room and I think more accurately, it's plugging into someone else's experience. So you're putting yourself in that their experience and, and trying to imagine based on what you're observing and noticing and feeling what they're feeling. Well, in my courses, so much of what I'm talking about is being present. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about being in the sexual act, for example, I'm, you know, I might have my finger on her clit 
literally like taking her pulse the whole time, maybe giving it a little, a little bit of movement. Like, you know, the clit will give you a lot of feedback as to what's going on. And, you know, there comes a time where it's like, okay, I'm getting less feedback. It's things are starting to be a little less exciting for her. So maybe it's time to, you know, move on to something else. And that may be, you know, if she's used to a vibrator, when I bring the vibrator in, it's like, okay. And maybe it's welcome at that point because, you know, sometimes if we're doing something for too long, it can work. It can be something that actually causes orgasm or, you know, maybe we just didn't quite hit the right spots in the right way today. And so we haven't got there yet. But yeah, there's more reading to be going on, you know, more listening to other body language and things like that. So there's a lot going on to to be paying attention to. Yeah, I think there's a big risk of being overly reliant on the toy. But if you recognize how to use it sparingly, you know, when you feel like you need that little bit of extra or as a little treat, <laughs> it's, uh, I think, a much more workable aspect yeah, I kind of see it as maybe, you know, kind of pushing somebody off the fence a little bit. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I, I didn't quite do it, so maybe this will... But that's not the topic of this show. That's probably another show. <laughs> so what else about following a man's lead? One of the things that I didn't get to say was that I talked about the the aspect of developing our discernment where we are getting clear on what we want and what we don't want, our desires, our needs, but also this idea of having standards, right? When we've done the work to investigate where we really want to go in life, what we really want to do, what our dreams are, we then start to develop boundaries with ourselves, things we are available for and things we are not available for. And when it comes to connecting with men and potential sexual partners, those standards really play a role in the experience that we create for ourselves. So discernment is about observing whether or not a man meets those standards that you have set for yourself and your experience. Can you give me some examples? Absolutely. Some of my standards, for example, I am only interested in a man who shows me that he is interested in in my emotional landscape. Uh, if he shows interest, if he asks questions that bring forth insight from me, I am only interested in a man who makes me feel respected and honored as a woman for being a woman and does not expect me to operate like a man have a standard around a man being a provider. I desire to connect with someone who is looking for what he can offer the people in his life just because he has gifts to give. One of my standards when it comes to dating is got to be able to make me laugh. That one's new. Part of this developing my own standards adventure for me has been meeting new men and, and exploring you know, what's important to me. And in my network and community uh, on social media, where I am doing a lot of my writing for my work and kind of in a thought leadership space, I'm connected with a number of men who impress the hell out of me. 
who I just deeply respect. I think they're doing incredible work in the world. I think they are incredibly kind and charismatic and purposeful in who they are being in the world. And I made one connection in particular where I just really got to feel what it's like when a man is speaking to all the different aspects of me and appreciating all the different aspects of me and that man's ability to make me laugh and not just laugh, but belly laugh on a regular basis became this like absolutely invaluable thing to me. And so I installed that amongst my standards recently that I need the playfulness and the laughter as a part of my day to day. So not all women are like me. I am a woman with very high standards. I am a woman who is high maintenance. It takes a lot to maintain me and my life. I do it all myself now. And I'm I'm looking for a man who is going to come in and add to that, not disrupt any of it. And yeah, it's a tall order. (laughs) I really like this idea. It's been in the back of my mind, you know, what's a deal killer or not? right? For a relationship. But I mean, this brings it to a whole new level of something that you can expect as opposed to something that you don't want. For example, I can't be with a smoker, Mm -hmm. but it kind of inspires me to, you know, think about, you know, what I have now that I kind of set out as a standard in my life. I wanted peace in my house. I want somebody who strives to help me continue to build peace in our house, I should say, and work towards resolving the things that disturb the peace. Mm, That is such an important aspect of that, right? Peace does not come from avoidance. It comes from willingness to confront whatever needs to be worked out. That's how I see it. I mean, you know, the places where peace failed was that we, you know, had impasse in communication Mm -hmm. and okay, well, I I guess we're going to keep, you know, having to argue about it now. Mm -hmm. And so that's a standard that comes to mind for me. And, you know, I'm thankful that I have that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, another example can be, I would at this point in my life, never choose to be with a man who insults me when he's angry. I expect more maturity than that. I'm capable of holding back insults when I'm not happy with someone. I have a client who her partner insults her when he's angry. And she, in spite of that, and in spite of me pointing that out as one of the reasons that she isn't interested in sex with him anymore, she justifies it. She's, oh, well, you know, it's okay. But you can't stand to be with him. (laughs) I mean, ultimately, that's abusive behavior. Insults and anger, that is abusive behavior. It's emotional abuse. It's also a, a manipulation tactic. When you put someone down, you are attempting to have power over them. And it's usually unconscious. People who do that don't recognize that that's what they're doing. But it's an unconscious attempt at maintaining a power dynamic. Well, this is this is interesting that you know we're talking about this in this particular episode because you know a man thinks he's leading when he's being overbearing and controlling. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. and again. Like that kind of behavior is rooted in selfishness. It's self-obsessed inspired action. (laughs) Guys, it's not leading. It's not leading. No. (laughs) It's manipulation, control, 
coercion. Yes. You're trying to force something that you can't accomplish by diplomacy. Yes. And to be fair, if you've been guilty of this tactic, it's not your fault that you learned it. It's very thoroughly baked into our family culture, especially here in America, our government, our systems, like we have abusive systems in this country. It's when you start to wake up and and realize where the line lies when it comes to what's healthy and what is not relationally, you will start to see the ways that this stuff is like, it's everywhere that, and we're, and we, it's shoved down our throats. This is normal. (laughs) And it's not, it's not healthy at all. Our government in this country right now is a perfect example of we are being told that we are being led by the people at the, in charge of this country. But basically all of America feels like we are not being represented by the choices that our government is making. And that that's not leadership, that's control and manipulation. So I have something that a former customer said to his partner that I've held on to for a long time. And I think this is really appropriate to end this episode. He would say to her, because she was a little bit, you know, strong in her chastisement of him. And so he very nicely would say, say it like you love me. Say it like you love me. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, that's good information if you're angry if in the moment you can't say it like you love somebody, then maybe you should wait. There are two shadow aspects to feminine leadership. And one of them is being critical, criticizing, telling a man how he's doing it wrong, where he's messing up. Uh, That is attempting to lead a man via criticism, right? Mm. When you Mm -hmm. catch yourself doing it, stop, realize that there's a deeper feeling there that you are having trouble trusting in this man's leadership in that moment and that you are feeling insecure because of that. And that is what we get to express to men in the moments that we want to be critical. We get to say, I'm not feeling very safe right now. I'm not feeling taken care of right now. I'm feeling like I'm not okay. And that gives men an opportunity to step back and look at how they might do things differently. But telling them, what they're doing wrong is one way and the other way I call um, being the being the puppeteer and that's just straight up telling them how to do it. Telling a man how to do it, not realizing that men have their own ways of accomplishing things and they are not less effective than ours just because they're different. And when we are having a hard time trusting in a man's leadership, we We'll put ourselves in a position of trying to define how things need to be done. And then we rob ourselves from the opportunity to, of feeling led because one, wow. when he does what we tell him to, that doesn't satisfy us. And it's like, good, you did the bare minimum. Well, thank you for pointing that out because we we definitely feel that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's as much as we can go on this subject for today. And we will be back with another episode. The next one is Deep Throat or Bust. I can only imagine what we're going to talk about in that. I'm excited for that one. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll see you folks next week. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.